Hey guys, welcome back to the EDH Elites podcast, the podcast where we take you from being a chump EDH player to an elite one. In today's episode, I'm going to be giving you a deck tech on my favorite commander from my favorite tribe, Sethron Hurlun General. He's a legendary Minotaur warrior for three red red. Whenever Sethron Hurlun General or another non-token Minotaur enters the battlefield under your control, create a two three red Minotaur creature token. And he has, for two in a black or red, Minotaurs you control get plus one plus zero and gain Menace and Haste until the end of the turn. So, let's go face the Horde. So, let's start off with my favorite part of the deck, the Flavor Win. The part of the deck where these cards aren't necessarily good, but we have them in here because, well, flavor. We gotta have that little bit of extra sauce for a deck that makes sense in the world of magic. And the first one of our flavor win is Hurlun Minotaur. It is a Minotaur creature for one red red, and that's just a generic 2-3. And we have this in here because it's Sethron Hurlun General, and he makes 2-3 Minotaurs, which is basically what a Hurlun Minotaur is, and he's the general of all Hurlun Minotaurs, so it makes sense that this guy is in here with his general. And then our next flavor win card is Flurry of Horns. It's a sorcery for four and a red, and it says, create two, two, three Minotaur creature tokens with haste. And that's just nice because we get to assemble a few more two threes at the cost of five mana, which isn't necessarily the best, but we do get a nice Flurry of Horns happening where we get to pay 5 mana and just immediately attack with two two threes, And then our next and last card of the flavor section is the combo of Scophos, Maze Warden, and Labyrinth of Scophos. Scophos, Maze Warden, it's a creature Minotaur Warrior for 3 and a red. It has pay 1 of any because it's generic. Scophos, Maze Warden gets plus 1, minus 1 until the end of the turn. And you can do that however many times you want in a turn. And it also has whenever another creature can <laughs> whenever another creature becomes the target of an ability of a land you control named Labyrinth of Scophos, and you have Scophos Maze Warden fight that creature, and it is a 3-4. This is just really nice because it combos with the other card, Labyrinth of Scophos, which is a land and it has tap at a colorless. Or you can pay for and remove target attacking or blocking creature from combat. So, Labyrinth of Scophos can help us get a bit of evasion because then our creature won't be blocked, or we can save ourselves from taking a whole bunch of damage at the cost of four mana. It's a slightly worse Maze of Eth. And Scophos Maze Warden combos quite well with this because then. If it's not too big of a creature, we can use Scophus Maid's Warden ability to pump him up, and you can only really use that three times unless you have something that will boost his toughness, because if you use it four times, that will be a minus four to his toughness, which will kill him. But you can still get at least a 6-1 fighting something when it gets removed from combat. And now, our next section is Utility Lands, because we gotta have some nice utility in there. 
Our first and second cards are part of the Thriving Cycle from Jumpstart, Thriving Bluff, and Thriving More. So, I'll just explain them both at once because they're essentially the exact same card. But the Thriving Lands, which there are five of them, one in each color, they all enter the battlefield tapped, and when they enter, you choose a color other than the color that they can already tap for. So basically like the color that they're assigned, and then you just choose a different color out of the other four. And then it also has tap, you add the color that it's already assigned, so Thriving Bluff, you're going to tap a red, or one mana of the chosen color, and Thriving More will be black. So just some nice utility lands. Unfortunately, they don't un enter untapped, so they're about as useful as a guild gate, but they're still pretty nice. And our next card is Path of Ancestry, and it also enters the battlefield tapped, but it has add one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. When that mana is spent to cast a creature spell that shares a creature type with your commander, scry one. That's really nice because we're going to be playing a bunch of minotaurs, and a lot of them also being warriors, which, as long as they're a minotaur, doesn't really matter. As long as they share one creature type with Sethron, then we get to scry. And that will come into play later with more top deck manipulation type cards and reasons that we would want to have certain cards at the top of our library. And that's it for utility lands. Up into our next section, sack everything. So this section is all about sacrificing creatures. And up first, probably the best card for this, Slaughter Priest of Mogus. It's a creature Minotaur Shaman for a black and a red, and has, whenever you sacrifice a permanent, Slaughter Priest of Mogus gets plus two plus zero until the end of the turn, and also has, pay two generic, sacrifice another creature or enchantment, Slaughter Priest of Mogus gains first strike until the end of the turn, and it's a two two. So, this is really nice because if we get cursed at all, we just pay two, bye bye to that curse. If someone gives us a creature, that happens to just be not good, then just sacrifice it. And in the worst possible case scenario, that someone steals a creature that we have buffed up to be really big, then we can just sack it before they steal it. But mostly, you're going to be using this to counteract curses and enchantments that people give you, or creatures that people give you. I recently played this deck against someone who was playing another Minotaur deck, and it was the Minotaur Monk that is cost one red, blue, white. Can't quite remember what his name is, but basically it lets you pay um, a full Jeskai, so a red, blue, and a white, and you could give target permanent to target player, and then it also had you can gain X life, where X is the number of permanents that you own but don't control. Kind of a little bit like the new Blim from Commander Legends, but was blue and white and red instead of red and black. But it works very well against that type of deck, where you can just sacrifice the stuff that you don't want or don't need, and then... Pretty much just straight value. 
And then next up, we have a similar card, Scophos Maze Warden. It's a Minotaur Warrior for four and a red. It has pay red, sacrifice another creature or enchantment. Scophos Maze Warden gets plus one, plus O, and gains menace until the end of the turn. And that's actually Scophos War Leader, sorry. And it's a four, five. So a lot like Slaughter Priest of Mogus, but it does cost quite a bit more. So if we were to tutor for one of these, I would be more likely to pick uh, Slaughter Priest of Mogus just because it would only t cost four to place it and immediately sacrifice something, whereas Scophos War Leader would cost six in total. But it is just a nice utility creature. And the sacrifice cost, if you already have this out, does cost less. It is tied to a color, so you can't pay a black to do it like you would be able to for Slaughter Priest of Mogus. But it does also give it some stats that I would say are a little better, where it gets to be a 5-5 five, five and get Menace. And that's just if you sacrifice something once. Whereas Slaughter Priest of Mogus does get plus 2, plus 0, and first strike. So more like addition of power on Slaughter Priest of Mogus, but you also do get Menace, which in a lot of cases does mean that it would be unblockable. And our last card, and one of my favorites, is Dream Shaper Shaman, an enchantment creature Minotaur Shaman for 5 and a red. At the beginning of your end step, you may pay 2 and a red and sacrifice a non-land permanent. If you do, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land permanent. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in random order, and it's a 5-4. So that's just really nice. Got some super small Minotaur that you don't like, or just a lot of the sacrificing in this deck does just come from you played the Minotaur and you got a 2-3 Minotaur from it, sacrifice the creature token that you didn't pay anything for, and you're all good to go. Dream Shaper Shaman doesn't specify anything about being non-token, so you can sacrifice your tokens for straight value. And you'll probably get another Minotaur from it, which will then go onto the battlefield, Sethron will trigger again, giving you another 2-3 Minotaur, so you've essentially just paid 2 and a red to cascade down to a non-land permanent. Next up, we have Evasive Maneuvers. It's our category of strategies that we can use to help evade all our opponent's creatures. First up, Mugging. It's a sorcery for red. Mugging deals 2 damage to target creature. That creature can't block. This can be used as removal in some cases of smaller creatures, but mostly we're going to use it to make sure that that creature can't block. And it also, in the art, is a Minotaur, so come on, flavor win again. And then our next card is Crash Through. It's a sorcery for a red. Creatures you control gain trample until the end of the turn, and then you get to draw a card. So since Sethron doesn't automatically give all our Minotaurs trample, but most of our Minotaurs are going to get pretty big later in the game, we're going to want a way to give them trample so that we can get through for even more damage. And our next card, Demonic Embrace, is an enchantment aura for one black black. Enchant creature, enchanted creature gets plus three plus one, 
has flying and is a demon in addition to its other types. And you can cast Demonic Embrace from your graveyard by paying three life and discarding a card and paying the one black black. But still, it gives it flying, which in a lot of cases with flying and Sethron giving it menace, which a lot of times you will just want to put this on Sethron, because that would be just seven commander damage, which three turns of play Sethron, get Demonic Embrace out. Now you're every turn paying that three for all your Minotaurs to get menace, including Sethron. So that's eight commander damage, flying menace. That's pretty hard to block. And our next card is Tectonic Rift. It's a sorcery for three and a red, destroy target land, creatures without flying can't block this turn. That's a nice card because while land destruction is usually frowned upon in commander, single land destruction and at four mana is usually okay. And you can use this to blow up someone's dual land completely lock someone out of a specific color that they only had one land to tap for, or you can just blow up someone's fetch land if they can't use it for whatever reason, or if they don't need it. But the best part about this card, and the part that we're always going to use it for, is creatures without flying can't block this turn. So if your creature doesn't have flying, sucks for you, you can't block with it. And in Commander... Flying creatures, you tend to be a lot lower on those than in other formats because you just can't put as many of them in a deck because there are a lot less flying creatures than just non-flying creatures, which is really nice. And then we go into our next section. If you can't, if you can't go around it, completely remove it. It's a removal spell suite, and it does help out a lot with we can't actually get around it and use our evasive tactics to do that then why not just blow right through it with our first card murder it's an instant for one black black destroy target creature one of my favorite removal spells and will probably just be the best removal spell in any deck just a simple murder it and it's gone you got a super annoying creature or someone's commander blow it up doesn't matter because they'll usually have to spend their entire turn just casting that and doing nothing else. Or if you put Demonic Embrace on Sethron, but there's still one flying creature or two since Menace that you can't do, blow it up. Now you can get straight through. Our next card is Soul's Fire. It's an instant for two and a red. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to any target. So... If we've been buffing up our Minotaurs, specifically Sethron, who has one of the biggest powers of any Minotaur in our deck, then Soul's Fire, blow it up, and we're good. Now, if we do use this with Sethron to do damage to an opponent, it does not actually deal commander damage, because commander damage is only when your commander is attacking. But still, just a great removal spell, because... It can easily do six damage in one turn. Our next card is Shock. It's an instant for a red. Shock deals two damage to any target. You got a nice one one there. Blow it up. Two two. Blow it up. Three one. Blow it up. Anything. Blow it up. You just shock everything to death. And a lot of times it's just going to be an amazing removal spell. 
and sometimes you just got to deal that last two damage to one player to make sure they're out of the running. And then our last removal spell in this category is Outnumber. It's an instant for a red. Outnumber deals damage to target creature equal to the number of creatures you control. So we can easily in this deck get 7 to even 12 creatures out on one turn and then outnumber, kill someone's 12-12, kill Agalta, Kodama, Vorniclex, anything, gone. And next up, we have our mana gain section with Naheb, the infamous Minotaur, who is pretty much one of the saltiest cards in EDH already, but he's a Minotaur, so he belongs in this deck for no other reason than being a Minotaur. Totally not because he's OP. But Naheb the Eternal, a legendary zombie Minotaur warrior for three red red. He has Afflict three, and at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, add one red for each one life your opponents have lost this turn. And if you don't know what Afflict does, whenever a creature with Afflict is blocked, the defending player loses life equal to the Afflict. So Afflict 3, defending player loses 3 life, Afflict 2, 2 life, and so on and so forth. But what we really like about him is his, at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, add red for each one life your opponents have lost this turn, which is extremely powerful, because just because something doesn't say your opponent loses a life doesn't technically mean it's not a loss of life. Any damage dealt to an opponent is technically a loss of life, because damage causes that player to lose that much life. So he's a 4-6, so we can almost guarantee that he won't be um, picked on at all because 6 toughness, that's quite a bit. You're going to have a hard time with Menace and all the plussing to both his stats that we're going to do in this deck to even get close to killing him. And if you do your creatures are probably screwed. But with the Afflict 3, we're always going to get at least 3 mana, so most of our stuff that we're going to do in this deck is going to be in our second main phase, especially if we have Nahab out. But it also counts for damage and life that is lost that isn't even from Nahab. So if we swing in with all of our Minotaurs and deal 12 damage, 12 red mana, and if we have something like, say, a Lithoform engine out, then use two mana because we have to have that two mana before because we don't actually get the mana until the ability resolves. But pay two mana, so essentially if you did 12 damage, you'd only be getting really 10, but then you get to double it. So if you got 12 damage, double to 24, but since you technically had to pay the two for it, you're only really gaining 22. That's still 22 red mana. There's a lot of stuff in this deck that you can do that with. And almost any deck, just 22 open mana just for attacking, that's pretty good. But a lot of the times, it's just going to be a nice spare. Hey, we get an extra 3 mana. Let's play another Minotaur. And up next, we have our last... Uh, section for this section of the podcast our suite of tutors now 
I am not rich. I have no richness in my blood. In fact, I don't really have enough money that I really want to go buy a demonic tutor because I don't want to drop just a hundred bucks on one magic card. That'd be quite a bit. I'd rather go buy a whole bunch of decks for that much money. So we're using a little bit cheaper tutors. So first up, we have Coveted Prize, a sorcery for four and a black. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature of your party, which your party includes up to one of each of the creature types, cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard. So most of the time in this deck, we're gonna be casting this with our commander out. So it will only cost three and a black. And then there are a few clerics in here. So that would be uh, two and a black. And then we have another card in here that is a shapeshifter changeling. So we could get that all the way down to one and a black because you can only have a creature camp for one spot of your party. So a lot of times you can't do like, I have this one creature and it counts for my party because you really can't do that. You have to have one creature of each specific type. But in the best case scenario, Coveted Prize is just a demonic tutor. And because you get to search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. And as special text, if you have a full party, you may cast a spell with converted mana cost four or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. Most of the time, we're not going to get to that unless you do find some sort of Minotaur wizard or a Minotaur rogue, and then you have a few shapeshifters or something in this to make it all the way down to one black. But most of the time, it's just going to be four mana, go find a card, be awesome. Best case scenario, we get to pay one for it, which is better than a demonic tutor because that's a vampiric tutor on steroids because vampiric tutor, one of the notable one mana block tutors, you put it on top of your library and you lose life for it. This, you get it straight into your hand and if it's four or less, you can just cast it for free. But it does take a while to get up to there. So it's still a great removal spell, or not removal, a great tutor spell, but it does come with a few drawbacks. Our next card is Wishclaw Talisman. It's an artifact for one and a black and has Wishclaw Talisman enters the battlefield with three wish counters on it. And it has one and tap it, remove a wish counter from Wishclaw Talisman, search your library for a card, put it into your hand, shuffle your library, and then an opponent gains control of Wishclaw Talisman. Activate this ability only during your turn. So you can just do this, play it three mana, go find a card, and then in a four player game, you're probably gonna have at least one opponent on your side since you are playing aggro and probably not going to be the leading beater with your commander being five mana. So you can go and help someone out and say, hey, if I were to give you a tutor, could you go find something to get rid of that? Or, hey, what would you do if you could, if I could make you tutor right now? Would you help me out? Just do a bunch of stuff like that because it doesn't say on here, but 
in rulings on this card or a judge call of this card would say that you do get to choose which opponent has it. It's not a random opponent. You just get to say, hey, take it, which is really nice because you can make some nice combos with that. And best case scenario, you get two uh, tutors off of this one card. So four mana, get two cards. Heck yeah, I'll take that. And worst case scenario, you get one off of it, but you do get someone else to do something with it. And then our last tutor, Diabolic Tutor, Sorcery for two black black, search your library for a card, put it into your hand, shuffle your library. Not quite as good as either of the other tutors, but at only four mana, it's still pretty okay. And all these cards are very inexpensive, all of them costing under $2. And now, before we get into our other segments, let's hear a word from our sponsors. And we're back from the break with the EDH Elites podcast. Now, let's jump right back into it with our next category of cards, Discard Your Hand Away. Starting with Neheb Dreadhorde Champion. Wait, did I already talk about Neheb? It, it's the other Neheb, don't worry. <laughs> but he's a legendary zombie minotaur warrior, and he costs two red red, he has trample, and whenever Neheb Dreadhorde Champion deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, you may discard any number of cards. If you do, draw that many cards and add that much red mana. Until the end of the turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. And he has trample and is a 5-4. This is really nice because if we have something that wants us to take advantage of discarding cards, which we do have quite a few of those in here, then that's going to be really nice because we do get to have all that effect. And it's kind of like a wheel in the fact that we do get all those cards back. They're just not the exact same cards. And then we have that much red, so we can then start casting our new cards right out of our hand. And then our next card in this category is another Neheb. Neheb the Worthy, a legendary Minotaur Warrior, for one black red, it has first strike, and other Minotaurs you control have first strike. As long as you have one or fewer cards in your hand, Minotaurs you control get plus two, plus zero. Oh. Whenever Neheb the Worthy deals combat damage to a player, each player discards a card. So Neheb the Worthy, he used to be the quote-unquote Minotaur Lord, the commander that you would put in your Minotaur deck, because he did a lot of stuff where you get first strike and he would also give all your Minotaurs plus two, plus O. Oh. And Neheb was one of the first legendary Minotaurs. He wasn't actually the first. There was another two, I believe, before him. But he was the best. Until Sethron came around and slapped him in the face and said, Hey, I'm way better than you. But he works really well with our discard outlets because... As long as we have one or fewer cards in our hand, discarding cards all the way down to one, all our Minotaurs get plus two, plus L. So that's more than Sethron gives with just the activation of his ability. But Sethron does give us Menace, so Sethron still lands right up there at the top. But Neheb is also a 2-2, so he's a little weak to removal. But he also does help himself out and makes your opponents a little 
less good off because they have to discard a card when he deals combat damage. And it's not just the player he deals combat damage to, it's every player. So you can say, hey, can I, can you help me out? Can I hit you for two? And then I'll do something for you. Sure. Then you hit them. And then that one really strong player at the table has to discard a card. And if they only have one card in hand, even better because now they're hellbent and they have zero cards. Straight jazz hands up in here. But he's just a really nice minotaur for this deck because giving everybody first strike, that'll help with evasion quite a bit because all those death touch creatures are looking a little less powerful now. But our next card is Blood Rage Brawler, a Minotaur Warrior for one and a red, and it has when Blood Rage Brawler enters the battlefield, discard a card, and it's a 4-3. So a 4-3 a 4-3 for two mana sounds pretty good to me. At the cost of discarding a card, which a lot of times we already want to do that, I'll take that deal. And it's just a nice way to get yourself hellbent because yeah. Minotaurs like being super hellbent and having zero cards in hands. What I'm slowly learning from this deck is Minotaurs like the jazz hands because no cards in hand, I'm waving my, ja my jazz hands everywhere. Our next two cards are basically the same card. Tormenting Voice and Thrill of Possibility. Tormenting Voice is a sorcery for one and a red as an additional cost to cast a spell. Discard a card, draw two cards. And Thrill of Possibility is an instant that has the exact same things. One in a red, discard a card, draw two cards. Yeah. Uh, thrill of Possibility, always just a little better than Tormenting Voice because Thrill of Possibility is an instant. But they let us discard a card, which in some cases will be good for us. But we mostly just want them to ditch a terrible card in our hand and then draw two cards. Our next card is Pitiless Vizier. It's a Minotaur Cleric for three and a black. Whenever you cycle or discard a card, Pitiless Visor gains indestructible until the end of the turn, and it's a 4-2. So those cards that we've been discarding now make one of our Minotaurs completely indestructible, which is really nice considering that he only has two toughness, so fairly easy to get rid of. Our next card is Grizzly Survivor, a Minotaur Warrior for two and a black. It has whenever you cycle or discard a card, Grizzly Survivor gets plus two plus zero until the end of the turn, and it's a two three. So, fairly basic Minotaur in the fact that it's a two three, and costing three, and he does get the really really nice effect of whenever we discard a card, we pump him. So, all our cards that we were discarding with Neheb Dreadhorde Champion. Now pump him, and usually, unless just Neheb Dreadhorde Champion has first strike, it won't really matter all that much because he'll get the bonus to his toughness after we've already discarded those cards. But if we do have some way to get extra attacks or to have Neheb deal first strike damage or just generally get damage in before Grizzly Survivor can then we do get all that bonus from just dumping our hand and drawing a new one. And then the last card in our discard your hand section is Merciless Javelinier. 
a Minotaur Warrior for two black red. It has pay two, discard a card, put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. That creature can't lock this turn, and it's a 4-2. So we just pay two every time, discard up our hand, get super hellbent with our jazz hands, and we get to put a whole crap ton of minus one, minus one counters on creatures. So we're going to be killing off gods with this because if a creature with indestructible just has zero toughness, it dies regardless of its indestructibility, which is why a lot of times minusing toughness effects are better than damaging effects because the minus to toughness can get straight through indestructible while damage you have to do something special with like a soul seer or Shadow Spear making them lose Hexproof and Indestructible. So yeah. Minus one, minus one counter. Pretty good because if someone is playing a Proliferate deck. Or you put this in a deck that has green. Or just a card that can Proliferate. Then you're going to be getting minus one, minus one counters. Over and over and over on the same thing. And eventually just killing it. But our next card. Which unfortunately is in a standalone category. Rage Blood Shaman. A Minotaur Shaman for one red red. It has Trample. Other Minotaur creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and have Trample. And it's a 2-3. So, it's essentially an upgraded Hurloon Minotaur, because it costs the same, has the same stats, but we added the word Shaman in Trample, and then it gives all our Minotaurs a buff and Trample, which is really nice, because... Like I said with Crash Through, when we pump our Minotaurs up really high, we do want to make sure that damage actually gets through and someone doesn't just block it with our goat. So Trample, always amazing. And I learned this just by playing Arena because hashtag Arena knows all the rules. But a creature with protection from something, if it blocks a creature with Trample, that Creature with Trample does zero damage to it because of the protection. So all the damage goes straight into the player that blocked. Which is really nice for when a player thinks, Protection? Oh yeah, I can block that, it won't do any damage to me. And then they just get trampled right in the face because rules. So yeah, pretty, pretty nasty stuff with Trample. And... Now people can't just chump block with their goats and thralls and other O1s, like fish. I hate fish. They just sit there and flop right on the deck. It's the amorphosis. Why did you have to introduce the zero one fish? The game was fine with just goats. Hashtag itchyomorphosis should have been white and should have turned it into a goat. But anyways, moving on from that little rant, we have theft effects. Because Minotaurs seems like they'd be stealing stuff. I don't know why. It just seems like a good thing to put it in here. Because it feels like Minotaurs would steal stuff. But first up, Portent of Betrayal. A sorcery for three and a red. Gain control of target creature until the end of the turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until the end of the turn. Then you scry one. And next up, Goat Nap. For all you goat lovers. It's a sorcery. For two and a red, gain control of target creature until the end of the turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until the end of the. Bleh. It gains haste until the end of the turn. 
that creature is a goat, it also gets plus three plus zero until the end of the turn. So you play that, steal someone's goat, it's a three one. Have some fun because you just stole essentially one of the worst creatures in magic and turned it into better than a piker, which I mean, it's okay. Not the best for three mana, but still hilarious to steal someone's goat. And then we have a much better card than that, Traitorous Greed. It's a sorcery for three and a red, gain control of target creature until the end of the turn, untap that creature, gains haste, blah, 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 blah. But the special thing about this is add two mana of any one color. So we can cast this, and then essentially, as long as we do have four lands, it only costs two. But if we don't have four lands or four mana available, it still really technically cost four and technically it does always cost four we just gain two mana back so essentially that's just two mana for it's two mana for an act of treason which active treason costs three so i see this as an absolute win our next is our next category is just another standalone card but it does make a little bit of a face for a bunch of other cards, you could potentially throw in this deck, but I didn't because I like Minotaurs more than shape-shifting Minotaurs. It's Universal Auto Automaton, or whatever you say it, Automaton, Automaton. It's an artifact creature shapeshifter for one generic. It has Changeling, and it's a 1-1. One -one. Changeling meaning that it is every creature type, so you can count this as a wizard for your party, or just just helps out your party a little bit but what we really like it for is that one generic mana get a one one and a two three that's pretty nice and then it's really used for nothing else so go ahead and sacrifice it to one of our sacrifice outlets because we don't need it anymore and then we move on to just another standalone category which i thought deserved at least a, a bit of a shout out Frontline Devastator, it's a zombie minotaur warrior for 3 and a red, has a flick 2, and for 1 and a red, Frontline Devastator gets plus 1 plus 0 until the end of the turn. It's a 3-3. Three, three. I just thought it get, it deserved a shout out because of the afflict, which is just an amazing keyword from our devastation. I love it because you just get free damage no matter what. But now we move on to the last section and my favorite section of the deck the utility cards we had utility lands now we're on to utility cards first up not a minotaur but still very fun clackbridge troll a troll for three black black trample haste when clackbridge troll enters the battlefield target opponent creates three goats so congratulations goat nap now you have some goats to steal. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, any opponent may sacrifice a creature. If that player does, tap Clackridge Troll, you gain three life and draw a card, and then you he's an 8-8. So you just give this to whatever. You play it, give all goats to the player that's been helping you out, or just a player because they're goats but then people can choose do i want the troll to attack 
Or should I feed the troll? And if you give the goats to a player who's been helping you out, which whenever I do, I always do that because I can ask them, hey, can you just sacrifice that so I gain some life and draw a card? Or, hey, leave the goats alone. I want to hit this guy. Or see if anybody else will sacrifice a creature to feed the troll and make sure that one guy doesn't just get 8-8s immediately. But mostly, it's it's a good card. A lot of people don't think it is because you do have the thing where if someone's playing just a huge token deck, they just sack a creature every turn and the troll's pretty much useless. But they those people are probably forgetting about that you do gain three life and draw a card. So they're losing a card, you're gaining a card and gaining three life. And that can pull you down from sitting at one life, which is why I think it's just an all-star card in this deck. Next card, Underworld Dreams. Whenever an opponent draws a card, Underworld Dreams deals one damage to that player. It's an enchantment for triple black. A lot of the times in this deck, you might not be able to cast that because, excuse me, a lot of black cards in this deck, or not a lot, excuse me, not a lot of black cards are in this deck, so I would put less swamps in than if it was a more even split. But, I mean, it's only three mana, so you'll probably, at some point in the game, if you do draw this, either use it to discard for one of your awesome discard cards, or be able to play it, and then that one dude who's over there wheeling every turn, drawing a million cards is now taking damage for doing that, so he'll probably stop because he's going to kill himself if he does that. But yeah, just an all-around great creature. Next up, Reforge the Soul. A little bit of an expensive one, usually sitting around $8 to $10, but it's a sorcery for 3 red-red. Each player wheels, so they discard their hands, draw up to maximum hand size, and then... It has some nice special little text, Miracle, for one in a red. So, Miracle means that you can cast it for that Miracle cost as long as it's the first card you've drawn in the turn. So, late in the game, if you're super jazz hands up and you need a quick just get, hand, get cards back into my hand, or if someone's just drawing a whole bunch of cards with the Reliquay Tower or Body of Knowledge or whatever that's making them not have a maximum hand size, you can punish them by making them discard a whole bunch of their cards and only getting seven of them back. Or if someone just tutored for something and you need to get it out of their hand, then reforge this, reforge their soul. Because a lot of the times you're not going to immediately play what you tutor Unless you're late game and you top deck to tutor, so you're just gonna run and find something immediately, play it. So make them reforge their soul. And it does come at usually, and especially if you get this within the first few turns, a hefty price of three red, red. But if you do manage to top deck this and need a quick Wheel of Fortune, for better than the actual Wheel of Fortune, boom, reforge their soul. 
But next up, my favorite card in this deck, and probably just the overall best card, but comes at another hefty price of usually sitting around 10 bucks. Harold's Horn. An artifact for three generic. No, they're not talking about Harold the Angel. They're talking about the Heralder of the Horde. I think it's just nice flavor because Minotaur Horde and, I mean, Hordes usually have some Heralder that blares the horn right as they run into battle. So, nice flavor there. And Minotaur, Viking, Viking Horn, Minotaur Horn. Seems reasonable. But now on to the important part of this card, which is as Herald Horn enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Obviously Minotaur. And then creatures, spells you cast for the chosen type cost one less to cast. Our commander now costs four. Or anything now costs one less because hashtag us. Universal Automaton is now zero mana. Get a 1-1 one, one, and a 2-3. And at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature card of the chosen type, so if it's a Minotaur, you may put it, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. And essentially that's just Minotaur on top of your library, which brings us all the way back to Path of Ancestry way before the break where whenever we cast a Minotaur with, passive, with Path of Ancestry, we get to scry. So we can try and make sure that on our next turn, or we can Path of Ancestry do some shenanigans right before our turn ends, then we can make sure that the top card is going to be Minotaur, or we can at least rule out a card to make sure that it has a better chance of being a Minotaur. Because don't you want to draw two cards, essentially, just for playing magic? I know I do. So, Herald's Horn, the elitiest card of the deck. The bestest... I don't know how to put this in a not stupid way. The greatest card in the deck. And probably the greatest card in any tribal deck. Which is one of the main reasons it sits at the hefty $10. So not really a budgety card, but I mean, for a lot of you players, probably not super hefty because some people do spend $500 to $1,000 on Guy's Cradle and Wheel of Fortune and all those really good cards. And hats off to you because you're kind of what keeps magic still in business and local game stores that happen to have a quite... Uh, quite a collection of old cards. But still, Harold's Horn is at the $10 mark just because it's so flexible. You can use it for a warrior tribal deck. You could use it for goblin tribal, knight tribal. Hey, do you like merfolk tribal? I know I don't, but put it in there because it might make it playable. Unless you're playing Kumena, which then, hey, your merfolk's already playable but you can make it more playable. So yeah, Harold's Horn, all-star card in any tribal deck. But uh, yeah, I'd like to thank you all for listening and stay EDH Elite. Hey guys, you made it to the very, very end of the episode. Stayed all the way through. 
the intro slash exit music right at the end and right through that ad unless you're listening on Spotify or somewhere that doesn't actually have ads right in the middle. But you stayed all the way. So you're probably one of our more loyal listeners. And uh, don't tell the people who didn't immediately come back and listen this that they're not very loyal. But, I mean, if you listened all the way through, hats off to you. But I would like to ask if you would help me out because... I'm only one person. One person can only do so much. There are quite a few of you now. Since we started way back in December, there's been a large growth in our community. We've grown, I say a lot, it's like a handful of people that have just joined listening, but it's still quite a bit from what we had way back when we first started. So, If you know someone that would really like this podcast, please share it with them because that helps us grow our community and it's just nice to have a lot more listeners. So thanks for listening all the way to the end and stay super EDH elite. Hey guys, you made it to the very, very end of the episode. Stayed all the way through the intro slash exit music right at the end. And right through that ad. Unless you're listening on Spotify or somewhere that doesn't actually have ads right in the middle. But you stayed all the way. So you're probably one of our more loyal listeners. And uh, don't tell the people who didn't immediately come back and listen this. That they're not very loyal, but I mean, if you listened all the way through, hats off to you. But I would like to ask if you would help me out because I'm only one person. One person can only do so much. There are quite a few of you now. Since we started way back in December, there's been a large growth in our community. We've grown, I say a lot, it's like, a handful of people that have just joined listening, but it's still quite a bit from what we had way back when we first started. So if you know someone that would really like this podcast, please share it with them because that helps us grow our community. And it's just nice to have a lot more listeners. So thanks for listening all the way to the end and stay super EDH elite.